This is Dave, and I'm here with Ethan, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 198-inch. On this episode, we interview Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson, the composers for Weird the Al Yankovic Story. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2000-Inch Weird Al Podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Hey, Ethan, have you ever bet on a baseball game? Nope. All right, but have you ever bet on a football game? Nope. Have you ever bet on an entertainment event? Also, nope. Dave, what's with all these questions? Are you setting me up for something that we're going to talk about very shortly? And what's happening in Weird Al related news? Ooh, do you smell that? What? I showered! No, no, no. The smell of Emmy season is officially upon us. Oh, right, that. Emmy nominations voting starts tomorrow, June 15th through June 26th, with the primetime Emmy nominations announced on July 12th. GoldDerby.com has listed their racetrack odds for Weird the Al Yankovic Story receiving Emmy nominations. Oh, okay, that's what you're talking about. All right, the odds for best TV movie for Weird the Al Yankovic Story are 82 to 25, and currently their number one pick. For best movie limited actor, Daniel Radcliffe from Weird the Al Yankovic Story is listed for 6 to 1 odds, currently their number four pick. And Variety doesn't have betting odds, but they are picking Weird the Al Yankovic Story to win Best TV Movie. Now, they also are predicting Daniel Radcliffe to be nominated for Best Lead Actor for a limited TV or movie. And Eric Appel to be nominated for Best Directing for a limited TV or a movie. Well, Dave, how about we bet each other? Ooh, I like that. Let's do it. All right. I bet that Weird the Al Yankovic Story is nominated... And wins for every single category, even those it's not eligible for. Oh, I was going to make that bet, so I'm on board with that as well. Great! This will be an exciting bet. I hope I win. Not if I win first. You're on, Dave. And from movies to TV, the new cartoon Haley's On It premiered last week on the Disney Channel. Now, there's no word yet on when Weird Al's episode or episodes will drop, but we will keep an eye on it. And also, in case you missed it, there is another reference to Weird Al on Jeopardy recently. The clue was, straight out of Linwood and Alapalooza are two of his ten... R.I.A.A. Certified Gold Albums. Ooh, I know this, I know this. Who is Weird Al Yankovic? Correct! But do you know the other eight R.I.A.A. Certified Gold Albums? Yeah, of course. But I think it would be faster to name the ones that aren't R.I.A.A. Certified Gold. No, no, don't do that. We must never speak of those albums. All right, uh, the self-titled album, Weird Al Yankovic in 3D, Dare to be Stupid, Even Worse, Off the Deep End, The Food Album, Bad Hair Day, and Running with Scissors. Correct, but you forgot to put that in the form of a question. Curses! All right, well, let's check out what's happening in Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West-related news. It's a big summer for Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West. Not only does his new single, Sorodea, drop tomorrow, and his new album releases one month from today, he's also up for some awards. The 2023 Nahoku Hanuhano Awards take place on July 1st, and Kimo's album Lana Huli is nominated in three categories. 
from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, best of luck to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West. All right, let's move on to what's happening in Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast-related news. Our Patreon family got a nice surprise this past weekend. That's right. On Sunday, Ridiculously Self-Indulgent bonus episode 43 centimeter finally dropped for our Patreon family over at patreon.com slash 2000inch. For those of you who are not following along with our numbering scheme, episode 43 centimeter is our epic concert review of Weird Al's concert at the legendary Carnegie Hall in New York City on October 29th, 2022. And it is our most ambitious, ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episode to date. It clocks in at over three and a half hours, making it our longest episode ever. Oh my gosh, Dave, that was such a fun bonus episode to record. Oh, and it is chock full of so many very special guests. It's a fantastic episode, and we know our Patreon family was so excited to finally hear it. Well, if you want to hear it too and you're not yet a member of our Patreon family, you can do so by signing up over at patreon.com slash 2000inch. Not only will you get instant access to our epic Carnegie Hall review, you'll also get to hear every other future bonus episode early too. Plus you'll get all the other great perks that come along with being in our Patreon family, not the least of which is our deepest thanks and appreciation. Now I think it's great that our Patreon family finally gets to hear our Carnegie Hall review. However, I have an issue with our intern, Frank. Don't we always have an issue with intern, Frank? Well, yes, we do. But despite everything, it took Frank almost seven and a half months to post the Carnegie Hall episode. Sheesh! It's not like he has anything better to do. Yeah, we're the ones who have full-time jobs that place a lot of demands on our time, not to mention all the travel we do for work. And of course, all the travel we did following Weird Al on the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour so we could get content for our ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episode series. And all the hard work that goes on behind the scenes to bring exciting guests to the podcast. And acting in Weird Al's movies. And do you think it's easy pretending to be a massive Weird Al superfan? And you know... We have a life. Yeah, and Frank does none of that. He's a lazy bum. You know, I think we should punish Frank for his incompetence. I think we should fire him. Ooh, I really like that idea. But, you know, if we fire him, who am I going to send on that midnight run when I get the craving for burritos? Wait, doesn't Burrito Burrito close at 8 p.m., Dave? That's an intern Frank problem, not mine. This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrapped in a quesadilla, Burrito Burrito, and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito, your Burrito Burrito, or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to your anus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world, plant-based, real food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquared.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. And as a reminder, for the entirety of Pride Month, all proceeds from sales in our merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com will be donated to a charity that supports the LGBTQ plus community. Plus, Ethan and myself will match whatever proceeds are raised. To celebrate, we've added a slew of items with the 2000-inch rainbow logo to the shop. Plus, all the old favorites are still available. And this episode, we're really excited to speak to some guys who contributed almost as much as we did to Weird the Al Yankovic story. All right, take it away, Ethan. 
Dave and I are absolutely thrilled to welcome the composers of Weird the Al Yankovic Story. Please welcome Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson. How's it going, guys? What's going on? Yo! <laughs> we are so excited to talk to you because, you know, we obviously, we love the movie so much. And the score and the music is such a big part of a music biopic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is about as fun of a project as as you can do. So it was a joy for us. I mean, we definitely want to talk to you all about Weird the Al Yankovic story. Just, just I guess, to give our listeners just a little background, very quickly, can you two uh, just let us know how you got started in composing and how you two started working together? Um, we go way back. Uh, what almost 10 years at this point zach mm-hmm. is that right mm-hmm. yeah we we actually met we were working for another composer named chris beck um we were the young idealists fresh out of college <laughs> uh getting getting ground apart in the trenches of film music until we are now stoic broken men um <laughs> film music's a lot like world war one um oh, okay. we uh <laughs> no we just we at some point we we really click musically and friendship wise and um a couple years ago uh, opportunities started coming up for gigs for us to do together and we really enjoyed that so we kind of followed that momentum where it took us and it took us to this uh little show that maybe you've heard of called Cobra Kai, where (laughs) we are the composers for that. Um, And that's kind of like a dream project that like really lets us go as ham as we want and like flex our music muscles quite a bit on the karate mats. Um, And and since then, we've just been working on all sorts of stuff um, all over the like genre spectrum. Our, Our thing is kind of that we like everything to be very different and feel like only we are the guys who could have come in and done it that way. And we try to leave that thumbprint on every project we do. Um, yeah. So that naturally led us to, to weird just because we'd worked with Eric before the director, um, you know, we're friends of his and collaborators of his. And uh, we basically knew about this movie from the minute it got greenlit because of that. Mm-hmm. And knew he would have an amazing take on it so we're you know we're thrilled to be a part of it now i feel like i know the answer but i feel like i do need to ask it you guys are fans of weird al and his music no in fact it was really (laughs) never heard of him it was really upsetting when we got offered the gig because i had to this is zach i had to get over my hatred um but that's but that's hollywood that's hollywood so like i didn't you know you gotta you gotta do that but um I did get over my hatred and I learned to love him. Um, and I actually, no, I, I've loved Al for a long time as we all have. And, and I think we, we always talk about how like every generation kind of has like their own Al record that they come up with. Oh, totally. Mine was running with scissors. Yep. So I'm like, I, he was my first concert. Wait, Zach, I, yeah. Say that louder. He was my first concert ever at the Greek theater <laughs> in LA wow. when I was, when I was eight years old. So, um, no, I was I was joking about all that. Just, just <laughs> we we knew. Um, <laughs> and yeah, no, he's he's just it's just great. Like it's it was such a everyone loves him. Who doesn't love him? Right. Everyone loves him. 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I like really associate Al with the Napster and LimeWire phases of yes, my life. Yes, very like, true. It's, <laughs> like it's very, it's a very specific correlation, and I almost feel like more than any other artist, I just associate him with those plat. What were they platforms? Were they services? <laughs> I don't even know what they were. Right. But um, I just yeah, I used to just download Weird Al songs on that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So we have a lot of questions about the the, the film and the score, but I kind of ask: Did you get to actually work with Weird Al on any of the the music, or was it pretty church and state? He was pretty. He was pretty. Uh, yeah, we didn't like we didn't like write music with him, but he was very active in the like note giving process and was very involved with Eric. Um, and you know, all the music was run by him. Our, our passes were run by him, and he had to approve it. So there were, he, he, he was really like, gave really good feedback on a lot of stuff. And that was, we, yeah, but we didn't like write any music with him. He just um, approved our music. Oh, very cool. I mean, I can't imagine my first concert being Weird Al. I mean, yeah, I can, because my first concert was Weird Al, but I can't imagine my first concert being Weird Al and then <laughs> creating the score for Weird Al's film. I mean, is this something that even, like, registered as a goal to you in your life, is to work on a Weird Al project? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, definitely not. Um, especially because also Al is, like, he's, like, uber famous, like he's like Tom Cruise level famous, you know, it's not like, he's not just like a kind of a big musician, like everyone in America knows who Weird Al <laughs> is. So I feel like when you have someone who's kind of that, you know, more legends than man at that point, like <laughs> yes. you, you never actually think that you're going to like work with them. Cause like the circumstances just seem totally insane. And frankly, this circumstance is pretty freaking insane. Like, the Weird Al biopic that's like a parody within a parody within a parody. Like it's, it's, um, and we happen to work with the, you know, the, the director, <laughs> like it's totally bonkers. Um, but you know, like Hollywood's weird and it takes you in all sorts of strange places. So I think if you, you know, have, would just have your fingers in enough pots, like, crazy stuff happens like this. I actually, it's kind of random, but I had done something with Al like five years ago that I didn't even like bring up because I just didn't think he would remember me. <laughs> but he did, I did a theme song for this like college humor web series called um, Cartoon Hell. Oh yeah. And they emailed me. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. You should be because you do the podcast yeah. of Weird Al's Life. But uh, yeah. The like it was called Cartoon Hell, and I wrote the theme song and I sang on it. And then they just emailed me and were like, "Hey, Weird Al's gonna sing on this." So I was like, "That's a pretty casual thing to just like drop <laughs> in an email." And then I I went to the College Humor like studio and like recorded Weird Al. It was incredibly random. This was like, I mean, it was pre Cobra Kai, so it must have been like 2017, 2018. But I had randomly worked with him then, and then I just never brought it up again. <laughs> <It's> incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an obscure one, but I, I do remember that Cartoon Hell thing. How awesome. So <laughs> you you did that, and you're, you're like, it can never get any better than this in my life. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Lo and behold. 
I'm curious a little bit about the, uh, you know, how when you mentioned that you Weird Al would sort of uh, listen to what you had done, but I'm just kind of curious, how often was it that you were meeting with Eric and Al to go over the compositions that you had written for the film? Not that frequently, but it was all very close together because we basically did the entire movie in a month, which is like really oh, wow. fast. Um, so there were really only a few times where we would take our, you know, chunks of the movie that we had finished and like bring it over to the cutting room um, where Eric and the editor Jamie were working. And Al was actually on tour during most of post. So he would be zooming in and we, we'd, you know, go in and play music cues for them. And then Al partway through would be like, okay, guys, I got to go on stage. Like concert starts now. And he would just like <laughs> leave the meeting and play, go play a concert. <laughs> and then, and then he'd come back two hours later and just like, oh, I'm all done. Um, he's the nicest guy in the world. Oh man, um, that's incredible. Like he's so cool. He's so effortlessly cool. It's insane. <laughs> like, uh, so, you know, we probably, we did that a hand handful of times basically um but it was it it was a very fat process and it was a really smooth process for the most part um we actually like pretty early on i'm sure we'll get into this but we we actually wrote like the last scene of the movie first al's speech at the uh, music awards um because we we kind of felt that that was where we would be able to develop the main theme for like the biggest longest period of time Mm. and you know, we went and played that for Eric. And I think Eric played, I don't think we played it direct for Al. I think Eric took it and played it for Al. And once they approved it, then we went back to the start of the movie and, um, you know, started working our way through and developing that theme wow. the whole way. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I was going to ask you, you know, what your first uh, scene that you composed was, but you just answered that. But I'm kind of curious uh, about, you know, writing music for a comedy. I mean, you know, Weird Al's a comedy genius, and now you've got to write the music for his his biopic. Uh, what it goes into sort of writing music for what you know is going to be a Weird Al comedy? Well, it's good to in this in this instance, our approach was to not score it like a comedy. The approach was to score it like um, you know a dramatic early '90s drama about you know an american hero so forrest gump was a big influence um rudy like uh shawshank redemption like those types of scores were like kind of the big influence and really like what the music's doing in this movie which is so smart and it was such like a great kind of direction from eric and al is that the music's always the straight man and Mm when all this crazy stuff's kind of happening on screen or, you know, (laughs) just like, even in the first act with, with, you know, kid Al, the music is so sincere and um, it it just makes it funny. Like if we were to score it kind of any other way, it just wouldn't, it would feel kind of shoehorned in. It would feel like we're like forcing jokes. And there are a few times where we actually did kind of score a scene that way. And, and it was next, which was, good um because it just like wasn't the right thing but i i we i always think about when we saw this movie in toronto and at the toronto film festival the premiere and the the audience was just electric and it was a midnight showing it was opening up the 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 festival and there's probably what like 250 people leo 300 like 
Yep. Full, full audience. And there's a very like beautiful musical swell that happens after Al's mom finds the Hawaiian shirt and then it just yeah. cuts to black yeah. and it says, yeah, we give a story. <laughs> and it's like a, such a nice musical moment that kind of, and it's all ours because there's no dialogue, there's no sound effects and yeah. everyone just erupts. And I think like that moment you hear that score and you see it and you're like, oh, this is the type of movie that I'm about to watch. <laughs> and it was, it was truly magical. Like I, I, so I really think like that, that's that type of sound lent itself so well to the story. Well, that's so great to hear. And we can actually confirm uh, everything you said because Ethan and myself were there at that midnight showing for the premiere in Toronto as well. And yes, that was a magical crowd. And that was a wonderful moment getting to see this film up on screen with, with an amazing, amazing audience. I'm real glad you got to witness that as well. And I'm so glad that you answered that the way you, you did, because I was going to ask you if that was intentional, that the fact that the music was uh, was not necessarily comedic. You would think that for a Weird Al film, you might have all these this funny music, but you took it very seriously. And I th- and I agree. I think that was the correct choice. So that that's awesome. Um, I'm so glad you guys were at that screening, because like I always think about it felt like a real once in a lifetime experience. It was kind of like. It's kind of like being at a concert in some ways, but you were at yes. a movie screening. Like yeah. people, like the energy was crazy. People were just going nuts. And like, uh, I don't know. That's pretty special. It really was. Yeah. It was kind of reminded me of almost like a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show thing. I mean, we were throwing things at the screen. At least I didn't see anything <laughs> uh, fly over my head. But, you know, it was that kind of energy. It was it was amazing to be there. Yeah, our, um, like we have seen it in theaters twice and um, it's just awesome. It, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a bummer that it's like not natively a theatrical release. Yeah, but... yeah that, that is oh, a yeah. big bummer. <laughs> Getting back to the film, I was curious about the timeline of everything. I, I can kind of piece it together based on some of your other answers, but it sounds like did you not actually work on it until the entire film was already shot? Correct. Um, yes. And that, that's pretty normal. It is. Um, in fact, that's like 98% of projects is we're generally the last thing that happens in a project. Like we, we often don't even start until the, it's almost done being edited oh, wow. as well. Okay. Um, it's only the rare few projects where you kind of write music ahead of time. Um, and then you never really know if it's going to end up <laughs> working. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, on this one, on this one, they were uh fully shot almost entirely edited i feel like we worked to locked picture for a lot of it right zach Mm -hmm. yeah so that makes it a lot easier definitely but um and more fun because then you're not kind of worried about the logistics of it and you just focus on the music of it so i I guess in that sense there's not anything that you wrote that didn't make it into the film like there's not a a deleted scene or something that is fully scored no there's no like deleted scenes that we had scored no got it (laughs) i am curious you know obviously the soundtrack came out digitally last year when the film came out and then we got a cd and the, the really awesome lp just came out is there anything that you wrote for the film that didn't make it onto the lp uh there's some small cues very honestly like al put together the album and he like included like a lot of stuff that we might not have even included if we were doing it so there's a lot of stuff on there like if anything it's just very small 
use here and there that like didn't make it cool yeah i would be very surprised if someone even noticed what cues were missing right but there's always some diehard soundtrack freaks who like yeah. they know <laughs> <laughs> i was so happy that the score was released because really i mean you guys did an incredible job and we haven't gotten a, a score from a weird out project we've never gotten a score from uhf so it's really cool to get to to hear that and and be able to relive parts of the movie just as you know you listen to it and hear extended cuts of it it's very fun Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we, we, I think a lot of people, even who are working on the project besides Eric, because Eric always knew, but I think a lot of people didn't really realize how big of an impact like our score could have on the movie. And like there was a lot, you know, everyone knew there was going to be a lot of music in the movie anyway, right. from like Al's right. songs and stuff. But like, what about the other, you know, 60 minutes of 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 movie that like don't have Al songs and the score kind of just contributes to the overall um tone of the movie like and and provides a lot of that tone so it was like really special for us to to do it and we're like really proud of the score too like we ju- we just like genuinely yeah. think it's like one of the best things we've ever done like weird Al aside right. like we just like love the theme <laughs> yeah. and we love the music and we often don't get to like write scores like that to be honest so we're just super stoked about it anyway and then the fact that it's like in weird al's movie is just a huge bonus yeah that's awesome to hear and uh, i'm curious to know uh since we're talking about you know you enjoying the the music as as much as you did what was your favorite scene to sort of work on in the movie Oh man, that's so hard. Uh, okay, there's there's like a few. We might not be able to narrow it down to one each, but like one scene that is dear to my heart is when Al reconciles with his dad in the factory. Um, yeah, yeah, there's something yeah. so hilarious about it, and it, <laughs> it it also feels like very earned from a score perspective because like we've been building this theme and kind of weaving it around a lot. And there's been all this ridiculous stuff that's happened. that's kind of taken us in different genres. And then you get kind of the, the last act of this film and you're like in the factory and we're back to kind of our, <laughs> our early nineties, great American hero story, but it's like the low point in the, in the film. And then he has this beautiful moment with his dad and we go into this like, patriotic trumpet solo and then <laughs> stores into like the biggest orchestra swell ever when his dad rips open his shirt to reveal the Hawaiian shirt and it honestly like it just it sounds like a freaking movie cue yeah. like it just feels like you're watching a movie and it's like and there's nothing jokey about it it's like I, I just I feel like we crushed that and um and and like people love the scene and I don't know it, it was just yeah. a really fun one to do. It's so awesome. That's like one of my favorites too. I love. I mean, I love the diner fight. I just think the diner fight's really fun. Yeah. And like we just had a lot of fun doing that. Zach, talk talk about the diner fight because like that's a good accordion uh, moment. Well, you guys, you I know you guys did because you told me, but you guys interviewed Corey Pesaturo a long time ago, right? Yeah, last summer. Yes. Well, he played accordion on all on all this stuff. Did you know that? We did. Yeah, it's incredible. Nice. 
and I was actually curious, A, how you hooked up with Corey and, and worked with him for the film, but also, is there anyone else who played on the film, like anyone from Al's actual band or, or anyone who contributed to the score? Well, no one from Al's actual band, but yeah, we, well, I'll, I'll say the second, I'll answer the second question first is that we had an amazing orchestra in Budapest, the Budapest scoring orchestra mm-hmm. that played all the orchestra stuff. And it was like, you know, an 80 piece orchestra, full orchestra. So they were amazing. And then we had um, Jeff Babco, who's a, an LA studio keyboardist, like just an amazing, unbelievable piano player. And he played that, the beautiful, like Alan Madonna kind of like mm, yep. concerto. Yep. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah. And then we met Corey at this like composer gala award show he performed and it was right when we got hired, like right, we hadn't started working on it, but we saw him perform and we, we just went up to him after and we were like, we have a project which we cannot tell you about yet, <laughs> but you're gonna, you're, you, you are literally the most perfect person ever to be a part of this project. And then we didn't talk to him for like three months wow. because we weren't ready for it. But, uh, but that, yeah. And then once, once we got him involved, he came over to the studio a few times and just sent us stuff. Like he's always on the road. So yeah. like getting him to record, like when he's gone was a little tricky, but he's obviously incredibly good at accordion. Yeah. And, you know, the diner fight, for example, was like one of these fun times where we got to like utilize the accordion in a way that is not normally utilized. And even for Corey, uh, it was like getting him to like not play jazz on the accordion was <laughs> was quite, quite the feat. Like, I just we so we had him you know like slam his hand on the on the accordion and do all these kind of crazy effects. We put the accordion through a guitar amp uh, modeler <laughs> to give like a distorted effect. So it is like really 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 fun and interesting like way to approach the scene and and you know Leo can elaborate in terms of like how else we kind of use the accordion in other scenes. Yeah. Well, it's like. A lot of times when you're writing orchestral music, there's like an idiomatic instrument you might reach for for a, for a certain type of emotion. Like, you know, it's the, you're working on a scene and it's like, oh, I'd have a clarinet solo here, an oboe solo here. And we tried to find really subtle places where like, honestly, you don't even notice it to replace those instrument choices with accordion instead. Um, just because it's an owl movie. So that should be in the DNA. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'm kind of curious how you two decide to split the composition when you're working on a film like this together. Or do you split the composition? How is it that uh, you decide who works on which piece? We spend all day on FaceTime is the short answer. Wow. <laughs> um, we, uh, you know, we're big believers in uh, following enthusiasm. So we tend to just whoever has an initial idea for a scene will just start it. And I don't think we've ever fought about anything. We just kind of naturally divvy it up because someone's like, Hey, I've got an idea for this. I've got an idea for this. And then we'll get it to a certain point uh, and then kind of start trading files and playing back for each other and uh, swapping who's doing what. Um, So it's honestly, it's, we don't really think about it much because it's extremely low drama. Yeah. We just, it's a lot of it is just like, we just get excited about something and we start doing it. And um, we've been doing this together for such a long time that it really just, when, we, when we're when we on a project together, it, it's quite easy for us to make it feel like one voice. Mm. Um, and we're, we, we really approach 
the way that we score scenes like from such a specific angle um that like only the two of us understand so it's it's great it's a very natural process for the both of us i was really curious about the names of the scores i know you you said al put together the album that came out did he write the the names for those scores were there names written for you sort of as a checklist when you're scoring the film or how does it work and how do you refer to each of those different music pieces um we get really into our track names uh <laughs> i can't remember Zach, how many did we change here on the album versus i don't think we changed it we didn't change many we did it right we did a pretty good job from the get-go of naming cues um we basically we make the names as we go uh and sometimes we change them like when we when we have like after we start a movie we make a list of all the music that needs to be written and sometimes while you're working on a scene we'll change the name of it because a natural name comes yeah. to us um but then when we release a soundtrack album, we will pick all the tracks we want, make any edits we need to make, and then rename things so that they're just, I don't know, more fun, better soundtrack <laughs> names, feel more iconic. Okay. Cause sometimes you get like, sometimes you'll work on a movie and you'll just have things that are like, Al goes to store, <laughs> Al walks down road. Like, like you just it never really thought about the name until then and they're super lame. Yeah. <laughs> so we try to come up with fun ones. I don't know. Did you have any favorites on the album? Well, I, I got to say the Cobra Pit, of course, uh, being oh, in that course. scene. <laughs> well, of course, of course. <laughs> no, I mean, I love a parody of Eat It. I love, I, I just, I love that that is the name of a song on a Weird Al album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, I got to say, I think if Al wasn't, like he like really like put together the album, but I feel like we would have done a pass of like crazier names. Oh yeah. But Al just, <laughs> right. Al just like on our Cobra Kai album, it's always like, we we have like crazy names on our Cobra Kai. And like, we, we just did the show Twisted Metal that's coming out in a month or two. And we just did our album for that. And like, we used chat GBT to like make like <laughs> car, car, like car apocalypse puns. And it's actually, it's, it's, it's actually unbelievable. Oh. It is like shaken my faith in humanity. Um, it's so yeah, I, the, the, the ones on that weird owl score are, are quite um, straightforward. Right. Right. <laughs> But I do, I do gotta give you the props for naming one of the uh, cues "Hey Boy." Yes, just, just so that "Hey Boy" appears oh, right. as a, well, we an love official hey song on an yeah. album. <laughs> we love "Hey Boy." Oh, they're so fun! Yeah, the parody parody of "Eat It" might be one of our favorites too. Just we love we love that one, and I think that it's funny because like the inspiration for that was this random score by Hans Zimmer to this movie Frost Nixon that came out like 15 years ago. And our mixer, who is Phil McGowan, who mixed the score, like texts us, he goes, is this, is this Q like a, it's inspired by Frost Nixon? And we're like, dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> they, I he was it. like randomly a fan. That's amazing. <laughs> like randomly a fan. But we, yeah, that we, we like that one a lot. It's a fun one. I, I'm really gra yeah. glad you mentioned that. And I know you mentioned like Forrest Gump because I was curious if there are any Easter eggs in the score to the film, intentional Easter eggs, or or would you say that any of the scores are, I know you said inspired by it, but are any of the scores maybe parodies of other scores that you've heard? Oh, for sure. 
for sure. Like, I mean, the diner fight is kind of like a John Wick right. parody. Right. Like that, it's like that. And then also like once we're in, you know, Latin America, it's like, it's like Predator <laughs> or something. So like, right. yeah, that we, we were like, and then, yeah, of course, obviously the like kind of Americana stuff overall, but. But that's more, that's a little more sincere. Like that is the, more I sincere. would say yeah, that. Yeah. The, the, yeah it's not really meant as a parody when we're kind of in just nor, like narrative film score mm-hmm. mode it's it's more when the movie goes into these like insane side quests that we like right. lean parody like right. the lsd trip sequence right. both yeah. the part, both like the rock part ahead of time which is kind of like inspired by psychedelic psychedelic rock and also like the apocalyptic choir bit is like obviously over the top and ridiculous. And like the the Amish animation part, we like kind of, it, it's a very kind of sincere piece, but it's- That's super sincere, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, it uses fiddle along with the accordion. Like it just kind of leans genre-wise into a different direction. And it, I mean, as far as Easter eggs, is there anything in there though that like, you know, is lifted from a Weird Al song or, or anything like that? No, no, no nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Think, yeah, things get a little complicated on the rights side got it, when got you it. start to quote songs that are parodies that got it. already have rights situations. But yeah, mm-hmm. do you guys have like a, a a strongest memory from working on the film? Recording the piano on Alan Madonna is a pretty solid memory because our, as Zach was saying, our piano player Jeff is just unbelievable, and he went like full Liberace on us um, <laughs> for the take we used in the, in the <laughs> soundtrack. And it's, it's unbelievable. Um, we have a great video of that too. Oh, cool. Yeah, we do. It's on, it's on my Instagram, I think. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess that I guess, I don't know if it counts that, that Toronto anecdote is kind of my favorite. Yeah. Um, wow. I also, I mean, like, you know, when we showed Eric the, the theme like our first kind of playback with eric when we were like all right here's our here's our theme and like this is this is like a huge playback because if he approves this like it makes our lives a lot easier (laughs) and we sat down and we were like palm sweaty and uh we showed him the the speech which was our first scene and and uh he just was like great and then uh, we were like, okay, cool. We can make this movie score now. And uh, it was it was that easy. <laughs> it's not, you know what? Yeah, it's like, it's never like, it's never, I would say easy, but I would say that this was like a really enjoyable, straightforward process working with people who had a true vision. And right. it was never, it was never stressful. Like it was, it was really like just, we were all having a lot of fun with it. That's so awesome to hear. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I guess the, to flip that on it on its head, I'm going to ask you if anything you had to score you found particularly challenging or were you able to basically know immediately what you were going to do? Mm. Um, probably the in memoriam scene, right? Yeah. Zach? Yep. Um, we did. Uh, we actually had a totally different version one for the this is actually like the last scene the montage of al in all of these historic (laughs) events and you know important moments of his life until his untimely assassination may he rest in peace we actually wrote this like really up tempo it kind of like sounded like um 
Zach, like what is, what's even the genre? It, it's like. Of the first one? The emotion is like, yeah, it's like, here's all the friends we made I, along the way. That's Style the way music, that like, you describe it. And that's perfect. It's like very yeah, like it, up know, and happy and kind of like, well, he died, but you know, we really enjoyed the time together. Thank right. you. Like okay. it, it, like the, it, it, it didn't sound like an old sitcom, like opening credits, but it was also wasn't far from that in terms of like, just kind of like a bright sunny day music. And, okay. um, we, it, and it, it was very funny, but it just like, wasn't right. And it was Al who kind of wrestled with it and was like, yeah, guys, like, this is really good, but I actually think we need to play a different joke, which is to lean in extra hard on like <laughs> that he was just assassinated on screen and the audience is like stunned by that the fact that the movie just like ends that way and so yeah. we should be as sad as possible the whole time so we rewrote it and took our theme and and did like it's just a piano and cello duet <laughs> as like as sad as it can be it's like it's it honestly sounds like it's like the president's funeral with Yo-Yo <laughs> right. and uh, <laughs> and it's it's way funnier that way. It was like such a good idea. Um, and sometimes it's hard. Like one of the hardest parts of this job is kind of knowing when to throw something out. Um, and yeah. this was definitely one of those times where it was like the right answer. Oh man! Well, you you know, again, you guys did an incredible job on this film and. I mean, definitely the music is a big part of why this is a, a favorite for the Emmys this year. That's that's what everyone's saying, and I know it's a, a favorite for ours. Uh, we thank you guys so much for joining us. Leo, we can find you at Leo Bierenberg on Instagram and Twitter. Zach, you're Zach Robinson on Twitter, and at ZRobUSA on Instagram. Guys, thank you so much. This was just an absolute blast getting to hear all about your work on the film. Thanks, guys. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Really fun. Once again, we'd love to thank Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson for joining us on the podcast this episode. Be sure to check out at Leo Bierenberg on Twitter and Instagram, as well as at Zach Robinson on Twitter and at ZRobUSA on Instagram. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota beautiful, it's also original. Did you know the original name for Darwin, Minnesota was Rice City? Well, yeah, but did you know the original name for Discover Darwin was Recognize Rice City? Well, yeah, but did you know the original name for Dassel, Minnesota was Swan Lake? Yeah, but did you know the original name for Discover Dassel was Swan Lake Sucks Incorporated? No, I did not know that. Thanks for sharing that fun fact. Oh, my pleasure. So visit Rice City, Minnesota on your next pleasureful expedition. Recognize Rice City more than just the railroad. And after you visit Rice City, Minnesota, be sure to attempt to visit RecognizeRiceCity.biz. David Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors, Burrito Burrito, Wizard Burger, Jackson Scoggins, and Discover Darwin. Our podcast is also supported by everyone else in our Patreon family, with a special thanks to our amazing close personal friend level Patreon supporters. Dana B, Blair, Kev, Javier, Ron, Scott, UH Jeff, Mike, Matt, Kenneth, Gus and Alicia, Allison, Adriana, Ajax, Jake, Zeb, and Zach. Also thanks to Red State Update and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. 
If you enjoy our family-friendly Weird Al podcast, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash 2000inch. There are awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your very own private RSS feed, which gives you early access to each and every single bonus episode, and the self-satisfaction of doing something important with your otherwise pitiful, meaningless existence. And now would be a great time to join if you haven't already, because you will get to hear our epic review of Weird Al's concert at the legendary Carnegie Hall right now, as well as be the very first to hear each and every one of our remaining brand new, ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episodes that are coming soon, the instant that they drop. And don't forget to check out our official merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com. Check out our new line of Pride merchandise to celebrate Pride Month all proceeds from sales in our shop during the month of June will be donated to a charity that supports LGBTQ+. That includes proceeds from every single item in the store, not just the new Pride stuff. So stock up now and support a good cause. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so be sure to join our Facebook community at group.2000inch.com and visit our Discord server for even more riveting Weird Al and Red Rump related conversations. You can find both of them linked on our website as well as information about past episodes and guests over at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And while you're there, click on Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Bonus Episodes to follow along with our adventures on tour and click on Black and White and Weird All Over Bonus Episodes for our special series where author John Bermuda Schwartz walks us through his first book page by page and picture by picture. And you can head on over to 1984publishing.com if you'd like to grab an extra copy of the Lights, Camera, Accordion box set. There are only a few left and it's no longer limited to just one per person. Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. Not only does subscribing, rating, and reviewing help the podcast, you'll instantly memorize the titles to all 46 tracks on the Weird the Al Yankovic Story original soundtrack, Backwards. Plus, we also love it when we receive voicemail via our official, I still cannot believe it's patent pending, 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline, 347 spatula. When are we going to get that patent? That number, 347-772-8852, was seen in the Illustrated Al. That should be reason enough to give it a call. So give it a call, and you might even hear your message in a future episode. Thank you once again to our guests, Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson, for joining us this episode. We also want to thank Joe Jaffa, Andrew Cohen, Maddie Meyer, Elizabeth Forrest, and a big thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for our incredible podcast theme song. And also thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast. And until we meet again, remember to gill and chill, keep listening to Weird Al, and stay cheesy. Oh, Ethan, all this talk about betting made me wonder, did you catch the game last night? Yeah, sure, Dave. Oh, uh, hey, Ethan, can I have five bucks? Yeah, sure, Dave. Uh, Ethan, can I translate all of your documents into Swahili and then into Swedish chef? Yeah, sure, Dave. Ethan, are you distracted? What are you doing that's so important? Yeah, sure, Dave. Ethan, there's a sale down in Spatula City. If you buy 11 spatulas, you get the 12th one for just one penny. Wait, really? I knew that would snap you out of it. What are you doing over there? 
Well, I was actually just listening to our review of Weird Al's concert at Carnegie Hall. Well, how? Last I checked, you weren't a Patreon supporter, and it's not available for the cheapskates yet. Um, well, Dave, I have a confession. Oh, no, what is it? I, Ethan Allman, am a password sharer. Ethan, how could you? Well, now that Netflix is cracking down on password sharing, I just looked in the mirror and I said to myself, wow, you must have an awful lot of free time on your hands, so I decided to password share on some other websites. Who in their right mind shared their password with you? Um, well, you see, Dave, uh, um... Ethan, how did you get someone's password? Well, Dave, I assumed at least one of our Patreon supporters would just make their password Weird Al eats cheese whiz 27 question mark question mark question mark pile of poop emoji. So what? You just tried logging in and it worked? Actually, it worked for like a dozen or so people. Today I'm listening on Aaron Henry's account. Sheesh, I guess I should probably update some of my passwords. I didn't realize how common that one was. That was Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 198-inch. Orchestrating a very weird podcast for over four years. Al is, like, uber famous. Like, he's, like, Tom Cruise-level famous, you know? It's, he's not just, like, kind of a big musician. Like, everyone in America knows who Weird Al is.